to The Truth In His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Uh, thank you for tuning in and checking out uh, this podcast that's focused on uh, conversations about arts and culture. Today, I have the privilege of having a conversation with an artist and educator working in Baltimore, Maryland. She is committed to the to MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, uh, and uh, hopes to promote more accessibility and educational opportunities in education to students of color in Baltimore. Please welcome Natovian McLeod. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm excited. Uh, thank you for being on. And um, yeah, I want to like, you know, dive in with, I gave the amalgamated copy and paste different sources intro. Um, could you give us those vital stats? Like if you were doing an elevator pitch of who you are, could you give us that in terms of your background and um, really what motivates your work? I can. Yeah. Wow. Who I am. That's such a loaded question. Um, when you ask an artist and I'm sure, you know, being an artist yourself, <laughs> but who I am, I definitely, I describe myself as a educator and arts advocate. Um, I also describe myself as a sculptor. I love working with wood and I create pieces that, um, cause the viewer to stop and think and reflect on who they are, but then also stop and think and listen to someone else. Cause I feel like a lot of what's going on in the world right now and a lot of the issues we have are because people aren't listening to others and not taking the time to stop and think. So um, I, I'm just super inspired by people and people coming together to promote change and listening to each other's stories. Um, I have been an arts educator for a while. I graduated from MICA in 2015 uh, with my BFA in general fine arts. And then I stayed a fifth year to get my master of art in teaching. And I went straight into teaching um, kindergarten in the fifth grade. And I went from teach, I was at the same school for six years. So my kindergartners were in fifth grade by the time um, I, cause now I've transitioned to a new job. So I, I'm not at that school anymore, unfortunately, but I got to see them grow up and yeah. they are my family. And I think about them all the time and uh, yeah, so I, I think that describes who I am. There's so much more. There's so much, but you'll probably hear more like as we start talking. Oh yeah, we'll peel the onion back a bit more. Oh and, no, get uh, <laughs> some, some more of those details. Sweating, um, God. Oh no, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so let's let's talk about education. Um, could you share some of the like the, the programming, some of the, the, the some of the, the things in terms of education that you've worked on in promoting accessibility and educational opportunities for for students of color? Sure. So um, I'm currently the director of youth programs and community education at MICA. But even though that is a recent title, like this is something I feel like I've been doing since high school, just getting students excited about art. Um, sharing my personal story. And the past five years, I've actually been program coordinator for MICA's Art and Design College Accelerator Program. Yeah. And that program is like my baby and all of the students I, I just adore, even the ones that I am not in communication with anymore. But that program is for Baltimore City students. You have to have a Baltimore City zip code in order to um, apply and be accepted into this program. And it is completely free for students. They enter their 10th grade year. They're there for 11th grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. They are taking free courses at MICA, art and design in the morning. 
And then in the afternoon, they're taking a workshop course. So we talk about um, time management skills, communication skills, writing your resume, applying to colleges, um, writing your artist statement, like asking them, what is your art about? What do you want to do? Helping them craft and put all that together. Um, They receive free meals in the... um, in the lunch hour. So students are there. They are committed to this program because it is three years long, fall and spring semester, Saturdays from (laughs) nine to three 30. They are in there just learning and working and, um, you know, just pouring their heart and soul into what they hope to see for their future. And in terms of promoting educational opportunities, that's what this is for me. And that's why I started falling in love with open studies, because if we want to see our students and particularly our students of Baltimore advance and go far, like we have to provide them with so much more than um, they're being given right now, which is, in my opinion, is very little. Like we have to really pave that pathway. And it does start with, you know, putting up the money to do that so that it's free for them. And they, from what I've seen, like students walk in there and they, into the program, but they leave with so much more confidence and they leave with such a higher level of thinking on what they're capable of because they've been given something and they've worked towards it and they just see, you know, they see the possibilities and it's a great metaphor for what I feel like art can do. And, and yeah, so that, that's one of the things that one of the programming that Micah's doing, um, that's been going on for a while. Uh, of course, we have other programmings for students across Maryland. You know, we have Young People Studios. We have um, community education programs for students and adults for non-degree and degree-seeking individuals. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, access is, is important. Um, it, it's it's one of those things where I, I think you, you hear impact, which is a word I have feelings about. Um, I I think it's used wrong. And I I feel like my counter to it a lot of times, especially now is vision, you Mm -hmm. know, start thinking of vision, start thinking of innovation. What are we doing in that regard? Where are the, the new ideas? And I feel like, you know, open studies is an example of like new ideas that are that are out there. I remember one, um, it, it was one line I remember interviewing um, Trish Moore from, from the program as well. And Trish mentioned, uh, yeah, you know, anyone from five to 105. And I was like, wow, that's that's a lot. <laughs> and, and, and it just leads to an exchange like outside yeah. of even the, the curriculum. It's, you know, there are just different experiences generationally that will be baked into conversations within the classroom and experiences yeah. within the classroom. And that feels innovative to me. That feels like that there is some vision, especially with the way that it's uh, presented and the way that it's delivered. Mm-hmm. And I think more resources should be allocated in that way to cumulatively make us stronger, make yes. us smarter here, and just give us like just new opportunities. And I feel that I don't see a lot of it. And that's what yeah. really resonated with me and even trying to do this series. Right. And, um, so what generally for you to be involved with something, cause you said you've been involved with this type of work for a while at this point, what resonates with you specifically about it? It's just like, this is opportunities. It's like, I, I gotta be around the kids. I gotta be around. So tell me about that. Um, well, I can start easy. Like just seeing their smiles, like seeing joy in students and, 
on youth in particular is just it's, it's a feeling I can't describe. And I remember when I was in the classroom and people would ask me, like, what do you like? Why do you do this? Like, why are you um, why, why are you with students like yelling and screaming and running around all day and, and still like walking really happy? And I I said the only way I can describe the feeling is like when you're rubbing your hands together and your hands get warm. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I am in front of kids and when I'm giving them art, like that is literally what my heart feels like like i feel the warmth and i feel and i see the change that can happen when students are excited about something and um it's what i love about the ad cap program and it's what i love about open studies and i what i love most is about it's not just a mission statement it's like okay like what are we doing to actually get this done and make it happen and so far every student in ad cap who is applied to MICA and been accepted, has gotten a full ride to the institution um, for the four years. And it's like just seeing the kids um, just hold on to that and, you know, just work every day just means the world to me, even if I don't talk to some of them anymore and I'll just be bugging them like, hey, how are you? <laughs> and it's like, I know they're busy, but there are quite a few that I still chat with. Um, but I think just seeing the possibilities, like that's what keeps me going. Uh, yeah, does that answer your question? No, it, it does. And, and it ties it ties to the vision thing where, you know, Baltimore is not huge. So being able to make those connections or have you and then being able to observe someone as they matriculate and they grow. It's like, oh, that's what you're doing now. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And just seeing it like full scope, you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade, like it's possible. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but even for adults, it's like there's so many things that we are capable of. And when given the right opportunity, it's like we can just go so far as a community. Yeah, you you, you need that accelerant. You need that that click, uh, whatever it might be. And and I can say that in, in, in doing this podcast and, you know, as we were talking before getting started, you know, I did about 10 years of this podcast. Well, but being a podcaster rather before even having that degree of breakthrough, like not knowing if anyone is listening, not knowing if this is this being in this space with was worth time and effort and what goes into it, but kind of still but but loving it. And, you know, I think once someone gives you some inclination of maybe this is a way to kind of do this and maybe reach a new audience or maybe this is a way to do this and maybe this is really your calling yeah that that is something that's big and being around people and kind of these innovative sort of programs and people who have vision that's that's huge mm-hmm. yeah um if you could summarize what you do, like overall, because we, we haven't even got to art questions yet, right? Uh, summarize what you do as an educator in, in, in terms of doing one thing well, what would it be? Um, something that I do, something I feel like I do really well is, is connecting with students and families and just having a conversation, getting to know people, but just listening to them. I feel like I'm a great listener and I feel like... Um, I I feel like I'm able to care enough in a way where I'm listening, but then I'm constantly thinking about from here and then years on, what can I do to make sure that this person's story or the student's story is heard or just um, to continue continue the action of uplifting them and um, really just connecting. Like I was just talking to a parent earlier today 
um, I texted, I was like, hey, you know, how's Tony doing? And she called me, she was like, oh no, did the classes, um, did the classes not end? I, I told Tony it was over. I was like, no, you're good, it's over. I just, I was thinking about you. <laughs> it's okay, like, how are you doing? And then we just end up talking, you know, for an hour, just um, checking in. And that's just something um, I realized as an educator that not everyone can do that. And I always thought, you know, teachers, you know, they have to connect with families. Like, what else are you going to do? You have yeah. to talk to them. But it's not, um, you know, it's not a given for everyone. And I'm glad you asked me this because I think as people and something that I realize I have fallen short on as I get older is taking a moment to recognize my strengths. Mm -hmm. um, so when you ask that question, I I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm like, what a great question, because that's what people need to do. And that's what I do with my kids. And I don't do that enough with adults, yeah. you know, to call on their strengths so that they can speak it out loud into existence. Um, so anyway, that's my spiel. Like, thank, you for, thank <laughs> you for asking. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's a 100% like important thing where we, we don't spend enough time on that. And, you know, when someone's like, oh, that was a really unique question. It's like, yeah, it was a unique question. I did ask that, you know, oh, I try to gas myself up just a little bit. I want to go full yeah. gas. Then my head's just too big for the screen and nobody wants that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think it is important to know what you do well and mm -hmm. to leverage what those strengths are. And it's, it's about identifying opportunities as well, where... Yes. You know, it might be something that you're like, all right, I can improve in this area because that's that's important. And and that, this that's will be a good question, too. Like, where can I improve? Oh, gosh. Well, that would actually improve. is the next question. Is it? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that, that was my segue attempt, but I'll frame it this way. So we're, we're in this process, I think, where we're ever improving, we're ever tweaking or what have you. And. I know with this um, and doing this podcast, like I look at some, listen to some of the very early episodes. I didn't have rapid fire questions in there. <laughs> and I, one of the things I wanted to do, I identified like, all right, I want to be able to kind of connect with this person on more of a personal level, not purely you're your work. So dance monkey, but really tell me, <laughs> you know, tell me about who you are as well and how is that baked in? And I think the best way for me to do that is tweaking and adding those sorts of questions. So for what you do, whether it's in the educational side or whether it's in the artistic side, and we have more art questions, we have some art questions rather, okay. where do you feel that is an opportunity where you've, you've grown you know, from like the, over the last year or so? Yeah. So where have I grown? I mean, it's going to be hard for me to call on. Yeah. Something I feel like I've grown because I'm so self-reflective. And if I show you my artwork and if I talk more about it, it's all about self-reflection because it's ever, ever present in my mind, but I am growing and saying things simple and just straightforward. That is an area of growth that I am developing in. I do it really well with students. Um, I actually was Maryland's Art edu Elementary Educator of the Year for 2022. Shout out to and, you. <laughs> oh, thank you. And something that I was told I do really well is taking complicated topics for students, saying it and putting it into very simple, um, easy to understand ways. Yeah. And for some reason, when it comes to talking with adults, 
It's the opposite. I'm just like, okay, let's ramble as much as I can to like, make so here's, sure you understand me. Like, I can draw it for you. Oh, I, I can't. can't. <laughs> it's like, can I draw it and then also explain it and then over explain it? And then can I reference this drawing one more time? Yeah. And I'm trying. So I have, I don't know if you drink Yogi tea. I'm a big tea drinker. And years ago, I'm surprised it's still in my windshield of my car. But years ago, my first, um, like my first week of teaching, so six years ago, I on the tea, it said, say it straight, simple, and with a smile. Yeah. And I have that in my car and I read it every morning. And so I've gra- I grasped it with the students and now I'm trying to grasp yeah. it as I'm a director now in this new in this new life <laughs> transition. Yeah, it's it's one of the things where in doing this, like this was a risk and it's a it's a big growth thing where, as I was saying earlier, and I started off in doing the pod and my, it was only my own thing. It was kind of with my own group of friends and kind of isolated and not really out there. And I was like, no, I'm really interested in like doing something that I feel that serves the community, right? Yeah. And there is a risk when you're bringing in other people. You don't know how they go about things. And I've had some people who don't realize that they agreed to do a podcast and are on a podcast and are doing a podcast. And you have other people who are very well set up and prepared and all of that. Uh-huh. And it's like I sometimes it could throw me off. So I'm like, all right. Like I was I think I was saying to you earlier, I was just like, oh, no, we're going to be great. And because it's like you're alive. So that's one. <laughs> some people just get on. It's like, oh, you're dead. Oh, that's what's going on. <laughs> oh, and, you know, so I, I think with it, it's like being able to identify where you think a conversation can go and really what that length might look like, because yeah. that that's, you know, I get a temperature on how a conversation is going to go within the first few minutes. Oh. And one of my goals is to try to talk with the guests beforehand. If they come off as like, I'm a little nervous, I've never done this before and get them like kind of comfortable like whatever the, uh, I guess, whatever that like, like, like stretch, low calisthenics, breathe in, breathe out, but verbally (laughs) and then to get into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that was really helpful and it's, I, I told you this earlier, like I can relate that to art in so many ways. Um, just with, you know, meditation, reflection, you know, sharing your opinions but then taking time to listen to the opinions of others yeah. um if i show you my artwork you're gonna be like what in the world <laughs> is like because it's just i'm a minimalist so my artwork is it's like barely there but it's there and that's what i hope to um that's what i hope people to say it's like what it, what is that like let's just stop and just like just you know just stop just for relax and and yeah. think about um, what you can learn from other people. Well, well let's yeah. well let's actually transition into these art questions because okay. you know I took a little bit of a deep dive through your website earlier. And oh no, <laughs> my website I haven't touched in three years. <laughs> well, uh, so on there I see you know your your your, your background included, and this is again three years ago. Um, some sculpture work in there, a collage work, painting, photography. So creatively. I think 
we have several interests. Like I wanted to be a comic book writer and artist when I was a kid and I did poetry for a bit and, you know, did some, some screenwriting and things of that nature. But I think my, my first love or the through line between those is some version of storytelling. So creatively, what would you say your first love is as, as an, an artist? Oh, my first love is an artist. Like for my part, when I'm making artwork. Yes. My first love as an artist is being able to take everything that's going on in my head because I have a lot going on in my head and it's always running a thousand <laughs> miles a minute and being able to just like feel it shrinking down, feel my heart rate. Um, I don't know if decrease is the right word, but just like slow down mm-hmm. and take everything that's going on, everything I want to say and put it into something simple that's can just be viewed by someone else because growing up, like I was a military child and I actually was at a different school about every year until high school. So, um, me just, I was always all over the place in my head, like thinking about this, worried about this. Like, am I going to make new friends? Am I going to understand? Am I going to be able to learn because I'm nervous about all these things? Like I was always thinking about stuff and Um, When I found art, I just said, oh, my gosh, what a great outlet. What a great. I'll say resource, but I didn't know that word resource, but what a great outlet for me to just put things down and hang it up or throw it away and just make sure that I don't, um, you know, I just just don't get too stressed out. And Yeah. yeah, so when you see my sculptures, like they're very, very minimal. They are about people and places more recently, they're about just the time it takes to get something accomplished and using that as a metaphor for we are people that are constantly learning every day and we have a vision of ourselves that we would like to be, but yeah. it takes time to get there. And then once you're there, you realize it's never ending and you have like another vision for yourself yeah. and it just constantly um, you know, keeps building on each other. So I use a lot of layers of paint. I use a lot of uh, wood. I use, I have some more recent sculptures that, um, well, I actually don't have any more because they sold recently, but they're very different than um, what I have now, like on my website. It's like, I'm trying to tell people I am a work in progress Mm -hmm. and I believe you are too, and that's okay. And we can grow together and learn from each other. Yeah. That's uh, I, I think that's powerful. And I think, you know, recognizing that we all are that like no one is finished. Yeah, it, it's like when you talk to any entrepreneur, like I, I did this uh, this class not too long ago and we were building our websites. And it's like, you know, you're always going to be working on your website, right? It's like, oh, I'm done. No, you're not. <laughs> no. Or when you talk to like people like you talk to painters, I'm sure this maybe applies for you um, where it's like you you never finish painting you just kind of stop painting yes like yeah i'm done with this right now all right i can can, like i have paintings in my in my my home when i was doing this phase where i had a goal of doing one painting per month and i got through about six of them and and they were paintings for people they had like an emotional component and and a connection to people and it was one of those things where i hadn't painted anything in probably what 15 years so I was kind of like going back and revisiting something. Uh, one of the Austin Cleon things in his in his book, Still Like an Artist, he was talking about you don't 
cut off parts of your creativity. You always revisit it because it's almost like you have phantom limb syndrome where I don't do that anymore. You know, you're going to come back to it. Yeah. So, so that's what I was experiencing. And um, I look at a painting now, I'm looking at one right now. It's like, you know, I can touch that up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not done with it. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing and the most difficult thing about being an artist, too. It's just like, oh, gosh, I just want to be able to finish something. But yeah, nothing is, is ever finished. And I just use that metaphor, you know, with life and with artwork. Um, one of the more recent pieces I made was a sculpture called Life. And I was beating myself up the past six years because I went from making all of these sculptures, probably like three a month, to then becoming a full-time teacher and maybe doing one a year, like right. if, if possible, because I was always giving and giving, giving to students. Um, because I had a two part-time jobs and I also had a full-time job of teaching at the time. And I just collected all of, I had all of these cut pieces of wood. So I had, um, I have power tools and I had all these pieces of wood and I said, well, let me just put these all together. So I created the sculpture in 2020, but it was a collection of wood that I had since 2013. And oh, wow. I put them all, oh yeah, I put them all together and um, it was just like beautiful for me to see at the end. Yeah. And I remember someone had said, oh, I'd love to purchase this from you. And I cried. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I want to keep this sculpture for myself. And then that was another lesson. Like, okay, like you've made something, you've learned from something, time to pass it on to someone else. Yeah. And, and then hopefully they can pass it on to someone else. So that's, yeah. that's one of the things I used to, I, I wish we can get back to, and I'm sure that, you know, some people kind of don't like the idea or what have you because everything's become kind of commercialized and, and money focused and all. But I, I like this idea where I, I, I remember watching, what is it? You, you know, these like appraiser shows. It's uh -huh. like, yeah, I got this painting from 1971 from said famous artist. It's like, yeah, they just gave it to me. They need to make rent and they just didn't have the space. And I was like, yeah. I want to be in that situation. I know right. artists. I just want to have random things. I was like, get rid of my stuff. Just throw my stuff out of here. I want to have yeah. good work, not my mid work. Well, I like my work, but still, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to be I have this whole wall in the studio just filled with stuff. And um, I wish that's something that we can get back to. And, and ultimately, I guess how I'm connecting that is. I, I want I want it to be I want art to be kind of just passed along, what have you. I want yeah. that to be something. And you know, like there are a few pieces in here that I'm not gonna like probably keep. Uh, if I were to move or leave, what have you, I already know who I'm giving it to. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. So I got two more real questions, okay. and then I got some rapid fire questions. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, here's the okay. next real question. I'm just getting um, my charging, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, what is the most fun or exciting point in your um, art artistic process? It could be any because you, you you work in multiple mediums. So what is the most fun or exciting point within the process for you? Most exciting in the process of, of like me teaching or um, it, um, creating okay. as an artist. Oh, just creating. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, oh, I think cutting cutting the wood. <laughs> you said power tools I, earlier. I was I like, bought, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I got a new table saw. I bought a new table saw for myself a few months ago. And it's just something about having something so powerful in your hands. And then it, and then I think the risk of, 
pass on <laughs> the wrist that comes on with it. But then at the end, when I can just like sand and smooth the wood and I have just like beautiful, smooth surface that came from something like really rough and rigid yeah. or a sound that's like really rough and rigid. And just like knowing that, oh my gosh, something can just be made out of, out of, out of, uh, a, ter- a terrifying sound and possibility of cutting your fingers off. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a I have a table saw here that I've not I have not opened. It. I was like, I'm going to keep this where it's at. I'm not going to touch it because <laughs> I have a few pieces of wood in the basement. Because at, at one point, my my dad was just he he, he hoards at times, and then uh-huh. my place became his secondary hoarding place. Oh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I got these wood chairs. You might want to stain them. I was like, what? I was like, why do you leave? Che- You're not keeping a key to my place. Oh. It's just random things in there. It's like, oh, oh, this is just a tool shed now. That's what my yes. house is. Oh, well, that sounds like heaven for me. I have to show you how to use how to use table saw, unless you already know how. But I would love to learn. Yes. <laughs> I'll I say, this, I, I told people when they asked me, like, yeah, what do you really like the most about doing podcasts and all of that? I was like, look, man, I like trying out new equipment. Like, yeah. those, those cables just came in. Oh, man, <laughs> it's going to be a great night tonight. <laughs> yes, and that's sort of how I am about. And then when I learned about, like, different types of wood and, you know, what they could do. And then, of course, the price of lumber went up. So I was like, well, let me use what I have because <laughs> I do have a lot of wood that I could I could just work with. <laughs> I was thinking I, I was in um, I was in Austin recently and I um, so I started following Austin Cleon and I saw that he was having a while I was down there, he was having a shed built in his backyard, a recording a, a studio, like like a recording studio shed in his backyard. And I was like, that's made out of wood. I know where to get wood. Let me buy some wood, knowing nothing about it other than <laughs> I see something that someone that I respect is doing. Now I need to do it. <laughs> yes. Oh, but that's good. You see, that's. I think that's what art is, you know, learning, yeah. growing. Yeah. So this is the last question, and this all ties it in, all ties it up together. This is, I'm very proud of this question because of the subject matter of what we've been talking about. So I read that creativity in children is great because it hasn't been affected by critique, comparison, or ego. Um, children create to create. And as adults, we get further away from that and we try to connect to it. We try to connect to this just idea of let's just create something. Do you agree with that? And if so, how do you tap back into that childlike creativity? Wow, that is a really good question. I do agree with parts of that because I remember when I was making the decision to be an educator, I said, "Okay, do I go little kids? Do I go big kids? Do I try and see like what it's like working with adults. And I chose the little ones, kindergarten through fifth grade, because I felt like they are confident. They are not worried about, um, you know, what someone's thinking about their artwork and they're just going to have fun. It's just going to be a big party of us making work together. And it was that. But then I learned the more I got into it, that students and kids are a reflection of the environment. Mm. And they are concerned about what other people are thinking about their work. And sometimes they are a little nervous and not, or not willing to share, you know, everything about themselves just because um, they can with artwork because it's the language everyone can understand. And Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I learned from that. And what I took from it was, okay, as an educator, I need to help students learn and understand art making skills and concepts, but 
but also help them grow emotionally and um, bring in that social emotional learning piece sure. to help build their confidence, to help them understand what's going on in the world, to help them reflect on what's going on in the world and put that on paper or in something or, you know, with their voice or with their body, because we do some dancing um, in my classroom. And um, I'm sort of going on a tangent now because no. I was so inspired by, by the question. But I see... I see so many layers of opportunity for, for students, as I said before, but I think what I see now is that even with those opportunities and the excitement of art, there also is a lot of trauma that needs to be addressed mm -hmm. and bringing those two pieces together can be um, very difficult and it's not always um, you know, easy for kids to yeah. do. And you're going to have to ask me the second part of the question again, because I. <laughs> no, no. So so for for you, since you're you said you're you agree with with a part of it. And I think you really explained that well. And I think it's a very uh, interesting point of view from your vantage point, obviously, being an educator and being an artist. So from the artist side of it how do you tap back into that childlike creativity mm. where you're like, I'm just going to create, I just want to do something. Where's that table saw? Let's make it happen. Or <laughs> So yeah. tell me about that. Yeah. I start small yeah. and I start with um, a word called grace that I like to reflect on constantly that my mom has taught me, um, you know, like just you hold yourself with as much grace as possible and you also give yourself grace. And that's what I've been doing, you know, in difficult times. And that's what I do with my students. And I encourage them, you know, give yourself grace, like forgive yourself. If you make a mistake, it's okay. But guess what? You can't make mistakes in art, so you're fine. And if there's ever a time if I'm struggling with my artwork or, you know, I haven't made something for a long time and I'm like, am I even an artist? I haven't made something, <laughs> I haven't finished, I haven't sold something. It's like, okay, give yourself some grace start simple, maybe do a little painting here and there. Yeah. And I love making cards for people. And I actually love just painting little cards because I'm a big note giver and I like giving notes, um, like love notes to people and friends and um, my students. Yeah. And I actually started a terrible, like for years, cause I had the same kids and I had started doing that with my kids. And then I just start receiving all these notes. Like I have so many, I have them <laughs> hanging up everywhere. I have a huge pile of them. And um, like, it's just like grace. I feel like it's the gift that keeps on giving. So I'll do us do a little painting here or there, um, like make a little card here or there. And um, I also like to write. So I'll, I'll do that sometimes too. And I recently started a gratitude journal that my mom gave me a, a little notebook and yeah. Um, I'm trying to show gratitude for something every day, for several things every day. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I two things that I think attached to that before I get to these rapid fire questions. Uh, this was not the rapid fire. No, question. no, no, oh not at all. Gosh. Not at all. So, so the, one of the things that that happens because you know you're doing this, you're putting the work in, and you know, you, 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 at least from my vantage point, I will over critique what I'm doing and or over critique just my own existence. And so the grace thing is very big. And one of the things that I keep is because, you know, being a, a podcaster, sometimes you, you want to see like, what does that feedback loop look like? I don't need it from that perspective, but also you want to know that it's being received. And 
you only get the negative messages. You rarely get the good ones. And so I always keep, I have like cards because, you know, one, one of the things you mentioned that resonated with me, I always get cards from people um, that will have one in my window. I'm looking at it was a bunch of words in there from someone. I was like, all I know is this was nice. This was a nice sentiment. And I keep that there. It's kind of like this little recharge, like, like box. And secondly, this happened recently. This was yesterday. And going in that same vein of just recognizing and giving yourself grace, um, I, I started a podcast um, and I fumbled on something that, and I practiced it multiple times because it was a, a kind of a, a difficult last name and that, that the string together. I I really don't like messing up people's names and uh, or what they do. And I got the name right, but I messed up where they were from. And I called it something ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I missed that completely. And the person was like, oh, yeah, keep it moving. And I was like, oh, you know, but I, I lamented on it for a few minutes. And then I made sure it was almost some stank on it. Every time I said it later, just a reminder to myself. And I later re-recorded the intro and, and put that in there in post. But it was one of those things. I was like, look, don't let this derail you in this conversation. You are a human. You're, you're doing this thing. Just do it. And the rest of it is going to be great. And just knowing that it's going to be great. That's how I just tap back into why I love it. And I am not great at this. I'm still learning every day. Like just the other day I had an incident and I'm still thinking about it. You know, like it's and it, it, sometimes it just eats me up inside. But I am glad we're having this conversation because yeah. now I can remember, OK, let's go make some art and like let's put it on something and um, and just release it and, you yeah. know, let it go. And that's what I do with my kids too. Like if they're angry or something, cause little kids get angry about stupid stuff. I mean, it, but, but, ah. what I, but no, but it's not, that's just, that's just, um, that's exactly what I'm going to say. It's like, ah, they're just like, ah. And then I have to stop. And I think before I react and it's like, but it's not stupid to them. Mm. And that's where I feel like a lot of um, miscommunication happens with people and again a lot of the issues in the world it's like we are so quick to judge someone else's opinion about something um i mean it depends on the opinion but <laughs> we're so <laughs> but we're so quick to say oh like you don't need to be upset about that thing like that doesn't mean but it's like no like what would happen if we all just you know said okay you're upset yeah. tell me why you're upset I might not understand why, but you have a right to be upset about this. Yeah. And that's what, and that's, that's what I, I did in my classroom. And I'm going to miss doing that with the little kids now because you can see, I think the light bulb go off in their head and they're like, I am upset. <laughs> yeah. I do have a right to be upset. That was one of the things <laughs> he that- He did uh, cut me in line and I didn't like it. And I was like, you don't have to like it. I would be upset too. <laughs> I remember it was one of, the, one of the things that my, my, my therapist said to me uh, years ago when I was still attending um, those sessions. And I remember he, I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about things. And he said, he's like, are you mad about it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, that's how you feel. Yes. And I was like, but- do am I mad though? He's like, yeah, you're yeah. overthinking your own emotions right now. Yeah. He's like, that's a different thing you're doing. I was like, oh, I that's like me. Oh my gosh, we're like we're the same person. <laughs> but yes, and then I and what's funny is, you know, as an educator, you probably notice this as a podcast. Do you call it a podcaster? Yeah, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. A podcaster. Um you learn so much about yourself by seeing the reactions of other people or seeing or listening to other people's opinions about things. It's just like, 
Oh, you said this earlier. It's like a big therapy session yeah. or it can be. Um, but it's just, it's just funny. Like kids, they make, they make me laugh. And that's why I said, I need to stay around children. It keeps me young. It keeps me humble. <laughs> um, they, they are just funny. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's that time for some rapid fire questions. This is what we're wrap on. I got a group of them for you and, um, just, you know, answer them as quickly as possible. Don't overthink them. And uh, they're, you know, they're fun questions. They're fun <laughs> questions. just talk about how we were overthinking stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, ah, yeah, I got to give that a preface. Oh, my gosh. And okay. also, you know, remember that you worked with children on this first question. Okay. Oh, you're giving me a cheat sheet. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, name a four-letter word that starts with F. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say fun and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not an educator anymore. Um, I was a four letter. I can't think of one. Oh my goodness. Fame? Oh my gosh, that was going to say. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Can we say it at the same time? Yeah, we, we're good. Though. That doesn't count. That doesn't count though. Um, I mean, there are several. There are several. And this is why I told you. I am not good under pressure. And now I'm looking at this red dot on the screen that's like awesome. recording. Oh my goodness. That, that question is provocative in nature, which is really funny to me. I was going to say, and I do not curse, mm -hmm. but the first word that came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I don't think I've. I've <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the F word. <laughs> the, the question used to be what is what's the first letter of your favorite curse word? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I, I said, well, I can't say that. Like we're on a podcast. Also, like I don't curse. So let me think of something else. So going back to me over being an overthinker, yeah. this is all the thoughts that happened in my brain in three seconds. <laughs> I mean, you could go with food, fire. Oh, I could have went with food. And I love food. Oh, okay. man. Well, okay. Give me another letter. This is our rapid, my rapid fire question. Okay. To you. Give me another letter and I'm going to try again. Uh, name a four-letter word that starts with J. Oh my gosh, Jet, Jade. <laughs> great, great. Um, <laughs> uh, what's one subject that you would like to learn more about? Oh, I love to learn more about history. I love history, but I there's just so much more I need to learn. Um, I need to learn about. I just want to be one of those history nerds that just knows everything yeah. and about about the past. And I only know a little bit. <laughs> so like like a historian? Oh, maybe like a historian. I know when I was in college, I took a lot of existentialism classes and I just, oh, I fell in love. I failed every test, but I loved, <laughs> I did. And I flunked those classes, but I loved reading because it was all on tests and I have severe test anxiety. Um, and that was just a grade. But I love reading about history. I love teaching my students about history. And um, there's just so much more I want to I want to research and have time to do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, last two I got for you. Salty or sweet? Sweet. OK, that, that tracks. Uh, lastly, this one is great because you, you, you have a name that is a name. What was your childhood nickname? I did not have a childhood <laughs> name, which is which was very 
traumatizing for me at the time because my name is incredibly difficult. And back when I was in school, teachers would look at the lat like first name and then read you by your last name. Like, all right, when they take attendance, like <laughs> Miss Mr. Smith, Mrs. Johnson. So they would say Mr. McLeod. <laughs> I'd be sitting there like Miss. I'm I'm a girl. Don't assume my pronouns. Um, <laughs> but because my name is so strong um, and it's like very, it's, it's very like powerful and it has like a, a masculine energy to it. So I've been told um, I, I did not have a childhood nickname. My mom recently, maybe a couple years recently started calling me Tovi okay. and I did have one or two college friends that called me Tovi in college. Um, I remember in high school, there was this girl who attempted to give me a nickname so that it's easier to understand. Like we were both really new yeah. to school and we were both shy and she was really all about being popular, but I was the artist and I was like, I don't need to talk to anybody. Like, leave me alone. I'm fine. But she, she was really outgoing and she said, um, oh my gosh, your nickname can be Tia. And of course, um, you know, the girl was white and I just remember feeling so, so offended. And at the time, just being like really shy, not that Tia yeah. has to be a white, a white name, but just like, you know, the simplification of a name, like a part of my identity that was so powerful to me yeah. and that had finally grown to love. And it's like, you're simplifying it down and like minimizing who I am. Like I had a lot going on as a high school. I dig it, I dig it. <laughs> but I, um, that, and and they, I just remember in high school, they really tried to make it stick. And I was so shy at the time. And it took so, so long for me to just say, no, this is not working. And um, I learned a lot from that moment, you know, to, yeah. to speak up a little bit more and just take ownership of, of my name. And yeah. um, and I love my name now. I, lo I love it now. And I, I wish my students could call me my first name, but I made sure they all, they all know my first name. Um, even though they couldn't um, because of the public school system and how it's set up. But <laughs> I, I love, yeah, I love it. That's a great question. Well, thank you. So that's pretty much, and I don't have, I, I, my nickname was Cheap, by the way. I was about to ask you, yeah, your, your nickname. You said Cheap? It was very cheap. It was just Rob. My dad and I have the same nickname. It's just a shortened version. Yeah, Rob. I was like... That is an act. That's an action that criminals do. Uh, can we? <laughs> can I actually get a nickname? It's like, nah, Rob works. It's like, or Junior. I was like, wow, this is no work was done. We don't have a lot of creatives <laughs> in this family, I see. <laughs> oh, that's so nice, though. You know, it's, yeah, names are important. There's an activity that art educators do, and it's called, it's not called the name game. What is it called? But the idea is that everyone has a name story. Mm-hmm. So in it's like a community building icebreaker and you just go around and you share your name and like where it came from or a, a memory about your name or a thought about your name and, and it helps build community. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, so that's pretty much all the questions that I had for today. And I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks um, where to check you out, your work. Um, pretty much the floor is yours. Anything that you want to share in these last moments, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Um, you can check me out, I guess, on Instagram. I have um, Natovian underscore M is my personal and then Natovian underscore art. I am not on social media at all though. So I don't, I will try my best to make sure I 
I respond to messages, but I also um, am connected to Micah in any way. So if you like Google Natovian and put Micah in there, um, you know, my email will come up and information on how to contact me about youth programs, talk to me about AGCAP, which I am so excited about and the future of the programs. Um, yes, that's, I think that's what I have. That was the rapid fire question because <laughs> I was not prepared for, <laughs> to tell people how to connect with me. Uh, you know, as artists, you probably experienced this too. I feel like we're so humble sometimes and well, I guess it depends on the person, but most of the times I've encountered people that are so humble and you know, it's like, this is what I do and this is who I am and, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, yeah. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. So, so there you have it, folks. Um, for Natovian McLeod, the great Natovian McLeod, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art community in and around your city. You just got to look for it.